0: It's been nearly a decade since Michael McDonald has released an album of original material, but he's back with what may arguably be his finest effort over the course of his illustrious career. The 12-track album titled Wide Open is a musically diverse journey that explores elements of pop, rock, country, folk, jazz, blues, and soul. Produced by Shannon Forrest, the album enlists an amazing cast of musicians, including Shannon, Amy Holland McDonald, Michael Landau, Robin Ford, Marcus Miller, Steve Percaro, David Page, Bernie Cheravelli, Dan Huff, Tom Scott, Larry Goldings, Tommy Sims, Brandon Marsalis, and many others. Yet at the heart of Wide Open is the lyrics. Perhaps for the first time in his career, Michael wears his heart on his sleeve as he presents a very personal account of his path to becoming sober and forging ahead to live life in the open. Here to talk more about Wide Open is our good friend and past guest, Michael McDonald. Hey, Mike, welcome back to the show. Thank you, guys. I'm glad to be here. Well, you know, it's been a little over six years since we last had you on the show. And in fact, uh, when we did have you on the show last, it was our five year anniversary episode. And we're now in our 12th year and almost to our 200th episode. And uh, so we've got a, a short time with you this time around. So today we're going to dive right in and we want to talk exclusively about this amazing new record you just released titled Wide Open. And uh, Eddie and I have had the good fortune to have heard this album. We've been listening to it for quite a while now. Yeah. And with as many amazing albums that you've released over the years, I just want to go on record and mention that this might be my favorite album that you've <laughs> released so far. I really think this is one of your best albums from start to finish. Oh, well, thank you. And, you know, when the production on this album was finished and you gave it a subjective listen, tell us how you felt about the way this record ultimately turned out.
1: Well, I, I, you know, I was happy... With, especially with the production, um, uh, you know, Shannon Forrest. I think did a did a great job you right. know, all the way through uh, as an engineer, uh, a producer, uh, and uh, you know, he just uh, you know, he was a real uh, guiding force for me on this record. Um, mm-hmm. it, it came about in, in an odd way. I, this record probably wouldn't have existed, but for the circumstances preceding it, which were he and I. Uh, we're uh, co-oping on a space in Nashville uh-huh. um, and uh, uh some studio space and normally my studio would consist of just being kind of a warehouse of old gear and I would string some things together with the help of somebody to so I could record some demos you know and uh when Shannon uh, came to me he had a a, a large SSL console and right. some machines and and in between us we had a, enough old gear that we Strung together a pretty elaborate old, you know, kind of analog studio, mm-hmm. and uh, and then of course having him there he is a pretty much a world class engineer and yeah. certainly a world class drummer. As you know, he, he's a drummer with Toto right. and right now and mm-hmm. has played for numerous acts over the years. A, a list kind of guy in Nashville, drummer. Um, I was I was in hog heaven. You know, I mean, uh, when I go in there to just throw a demo down at the end of the day. Uh, typically he was using the studio more commercially than I was uh, for projects that he was working on, you know, and producing and, and right. playing drums on. Uh, so I would catch him at the end of the day when I was in town and with a song I, idea I had, and uh, ask him if he could just uh, if I buy him dinner, will he help me throw this <laughs> down? And, and uh, so typically we made a, a, a file of demos that uh, were just things I didn't want to forget, songs I thought might be, better for other people than myself, uh-huh. even, you know, um, and uh, at the end of it, uh, he moved into his own space, built a studio, moved his gear in there, and in the course of tuning his room uh, to his drums and everything, uh, he uh, pulled out those old files and used them to uh, as, uh, you know, templates to, uh, to, to kind of hone in hit, hit the drum sound in his new room and uh, yeah I went over to see the studio and make a long story short. He said, you know, I've been using our old demos to kind of tune my drums and stuff. And he goes, and I replaced the drums on most of it. He goes, I think we got, a, you got a start of a record here, you know? And so we listened to them and they sounded, the new drums sounded pretty good on there. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, possibly they, these could be tracks, you know? And uh, yeah. we went about from there uh, replacing, you know, my guitars with real guitar players and, and uh, bass with, the tracks that way behind the original demo lead vocals, you know.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Hey Michael, White Open is uh, you know, it's it's a very fitting title for your record and uh because you do an awful lot of exploration of music. I mean we see I mean gee whiz we were talking about it earlier. I mean we we, we hear soul, pop, folk, country, R and B and even uh, a New Orleans style, of, you know, of, of take on everything. But when you put the style aside and we look at the content of and the lyrics of "Wide Open," it becomes extremely personal. I mean, Rick had been talking about that as to how personal you get on this album because it, it really gives us a lot of insight as to the challenges of of your life and and and, and getting sober. And you know, we were thinking of you know that this topic is you know it's one that you could have touched a long long time ago but 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 what makes now the the right time for you michael in in touching
1: this well you know it's that's a good good question really um some of the stuff i i, I even you know i, I kind of write in a certain template I, mm-hmm. I i'll I'll make something uh a conversation between a man and a woman when it might really be more uh personally a metaphor mm-hmm. just for uh, of my own Right. not necessarily having to do with a man and a woman you know but uh mm-hmm. but uh i think in a lot, in some ways i i always struggled with the idea that uh i never really was able to write much about my own feelings you know i yeah. never i always wished that i was more of a uh introspective kind of songwriter i always admire those kind of writers right yeah, yeah. seem to be able to express their own personal thoughts and uh, and it was always difficult for me uh even as a person you know i, um, I wasn't really a, mm-hmm. a very uh, a person that was very much in touch with their own feelings most of the time and, mm-hmm. yeah and uh and i think it, it, it at this point in time uh, for me it just seems like uh that part of uh, my uh, ability to kind of even be in touch with them at all even myself yeah. uh, has come in, in, in uh, late but uh, in life but in some form or fashion, it seems to be uh, easier for me now than it used to be, and and even though sometimes I disguise these things, you know, uh, they're they're really more about my own personal fears or, or, or mm-hmm. views mm-hmm. of, right. of uh, ironies of life and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, still, I, I think in some ways, uh, even for me, I look back at the record after it was done. And all of a sudden realized that, well, you know, this song is really more personal than I thought. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. even when I was writing it, it was almost like I was writing it, thinking I was writing about uh, another situation or a a, a fictional Mm -hmm. situation. On listening to it myself, uh, even after it was recorded, uh, kind of all of a sudden discovered, well, you know, actually, in a way, that's... uh, Kind of what's going on in my own, metaphorically in my own life, uh, yeah. on a more personal level. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. hey Michael, on that on that point, did you ever come to a point where you're listening to the project and you say, "No, I can't, I can't put that one on the album. It's too personal."
1: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's probably songs in the can that are like that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and for better or worse, you know, they might. I don't like to get too personal, not to because I'm so worried about being too personal right. or revealing anything, but sometimes I feel like it's a little too self-indulgent and not, you know, uh, yeah. not, not the kind of thing that most people could relate to anyway, you know? And so why, yeah, why go you there, know, yeah. why put that out? You yeah. know, when, uh, when I may be the only one who understands it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Sure. Hey, you know, about a year ago we had your wife Amy on the show to talk about uh, her new record. But I remember the very personal album she released back in 2008, titled "You Know A Journey to Miracle River," uh, which touched on you know her difficult battle uh, with cancer. And I, I know you played a big part with the creation of that album. And along the same lines, I feel like you know your album "Wide Open" is is kind of your personal equivalent in a way and how involved was Amy with Wide Open and uh I just kind of want to know is you know when it comes to lyrics on the record was she kind of a sounding board for you?
1: Um well Amy's always that for me you yeah. know in 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 almost every aspect of my life. Sure. You know? Right. Um but yeah, I, I, you know with lyrics and stuff, you know, I usually Played the tracks for her mm-hmm. before anyone else. You know, probably just me and Shannon. will hear mm-hmm. the stuff, and then uh, if I'm going to play it for anyone else, uh, I'll either torture my children with it, or but mostly <laughs> I play it for my wife, uh, figuring there might there may be a chance she might actually like it. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, with my kids, it's usually like, no, Dad, not that. No, please, you know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, that was more when they were younger. You know, the, the, the worst fear was that I was going to put something I'm working on in car stereo, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I always kind of run stuff by Amy and, and of course she sang on uh, Hail Mary with me. Now. Right. That's yeah. right. And I just felt like that uh, that was the song that uh, her voice would would really fit on, you know, and uh, I'm, so glad she was able to do it and that and I made that choice because it uh, yeah. it gives it a real special kind of quality to
0: me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you enter songwriting territory that might open some eyes and, and may surprise some of your fans. And one song in particular is Free a Man uh, and the opening lyrics, I'll just read a couple lyrics here, you know, say what you want about the gays. The one thing that they are not is afraid. And, uh, you know, the lyrics on this one are actually, I think, penned or co-written by Richard Steckel, which, you know, who's an amazing lyricist is, you know, one of the best around. And considering your, you know, our current political landscape, this is a, obviously a timely message about the, you know, the lack of tolerance in our society. And the one thing that could ultimately solve it, you know, is that being love. So tell me about, tell me about your connection to Richard and how this song came about.
1: Well, I, I I would like to, to preface this, what I say with the, the, that. Really was Richard's song. Okay, um, all right. It, 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 free man, and um, I love the song. Uh, mm-hmm. I from yeah. the first time I heard it. But, but you know, Richard to me is one of the best American songwriters ever. Uh, yeah. I put him on a level with Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, people like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Donald and Walter, uh, just. Uh, value I have great admiration for the stuff he writes. And, uh, and, and I, I, I belong to, a a fan club of sorts of people that, that I know that know, are aware of Richard. We're all ardent fans of, of his music. And yeah. we, you know, we, every time we speak, it's always like, hey, well, what have you heard from any, any, you got any new Richard stuff, you know, and we, we trade his demos like, uh, like they valuable, you know, uh, playing cards or something. yeah. um, But uh, you know, we just—we're just uh, a bunch of us are just huge fans of his, and and, uh, so his music has figured heavily in my uh, awareness of of American songwriting, and and, uh, that song from the time I heard it, I thought, well, I I would love to uh, cut that song someday, Um, and I think the lyrics uh, that you know uh, what they are to me is it's it's the conversation we're having right now you know right. uh, in, in America in, yep. in in the world you mm-hmm. know is uh you know at what point do we get beyond this uh this burden that we put on ourselves of intolerance and uh, and, and toxic fear of uh, mm-hmm. someone else's uh, idea other than our own you know that's uh it's so crippling you know and right. uh, and when re- the end result is it, 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 there's no gain in, in oppressing another person's mm-hmm. civil rights or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- there's nothing to be gained from that. It doesn't make me more free, you know, right. like any more than it makes me more intelligent to talk about how stupid somebody else I think is. <laughs> right, <you>
3: know, or, <laughs> right, right.
1: Uh, you, know, you know, it's the same kind of thing. You know, it, it's like it's, it's a fallacy. It's a, a delusional uh, form of behavior, you know. Mm-hmm. And... um so, uh, you know, I think it's, the song expresses that. It's like, you know, you wind up shooting yourself in the foot, you know, is basically what the song says. And, mm-hmm. and when are we going to stop doing that? You know,
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Well, tell you what, guys, let's stop for a second. And uh, if you don't mind, let's play this track. This is the track titled Half Truth that was also co-written by Michael's son, Dylan McDonald, from the new album Wide Open on Inside Music Cast.
4: Promise me forever It's left to me to wonder why But then you never said you believe in either You never even said goodbye So watch your
0: Your longtime uh, guitarist, Bernie Chirvalli, um he co-wrote a couple of songs with you for Wide Open, one being Blessing in Disguise and the other one was Beautiful Child. And um, I recently spoke to Bernie and I congratulated him on his contributions. But, you know, honestly, these two songs in particular are two of my favorites on the record, and for me, the, the track "Blessing of Disguise" is one I've listened to repeatedly. And musically, it really breathes, and you know, your use of space is really noted here. And, and Branford Marsalis' sax part is kind of your second voice, almost. You know, it's uh, it's almost a second melody that answers whatever you're doing lyrically. And was this intentional to let Branford improvise and you know play out the last final two minutes of the track, or did it just happen organically during recording?
1: Well, it, kind of all the way above, you know, in a way, uh, mm-hmm. Shannon really hurt Brantford on that. You know, it was really Shannon's idea. He goes, you know, we got to get Brantford and the Salisons. And at one point, you know, it didn't look like that was going to happen because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's a man very much in demand, you know, uh, in in, uh, in his world, you know. Uh, so, you know, uh, we were, we were going to have to go through, jump through a couple of hoops to get to him, you know. Yeah. And at one point, I said, "Well, if not, we can do this." And, and Shannon, to his credit, said, "No, man." He goes, "There's only one guy that can uh, that, that can take this track to where it needs to go." And and uh, so he he was very uh, you know persevering with with getting a hold of Branford. We actually caught up with Branford in San Luis Obispo, you know, which is up the coast here from Santa Barbara, kind of in the middle of nowhere, even for California. Right. And uh, he was uh, doing a residency at at the college up there, music program. And so we found a studio in San Luis Obispo, which is even more remarkable. You know, uh, it's a little beach town, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, uh, we, we went in and and literally, uh, he ran the song down once, kind of got a feel for where it was going. And the next take was the take. And and, and, uh, in its entirety, uh, he played it down one time. And and what you're hearing is, is his, very first impression after learning the song of uh of what uh what the song was saying to him mm-hmm. which i i hear that every time i hear yeah. that track i i marvel at you know uh the genius of, the, of his ability to improvise along with the song that mm-hmm. he wasn't that familiar with but 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 he was just familiar enough with it to kind of really express himself in a very uh profound way you know uh and I think what what his sax did—you mentioned this—it uh, it almost became an, another vocal. It almost became another melody, uh, dominant enough to to carry the song on another level. You know, uh, beyond what the lead vocal and the lyric or the space they're occupying is is that space. But it's really that sax that kind yeah. of keeps lifting the track up to a place where. Uh, there's a there's like a higher consciousness to the track that is that uh, the soprano sax.
0: I agree. Yeah,
1: you know I would also like to mention John Popard. was really originally wrote uh, a lot of the music on that track. You know uh, he sent right. me yeah uh, his demo and, and without a melody and without a lyric. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah. so much of what we uh, reiterated on the track was some of his original.
2: Well, it's interesting, interesting you mentioned him because, uh, you know, you had some co-collaborators on the writing other than Bernie. Of course, John, you had Beth Nielsen Chapman. And uh, so with the influx and in the input of, of these co-writers, how do they bounce the material off of you? How is, tell us a little bit about that process as they're, they're contributors and you're, you're vetting everything and, and making it sound personal. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, on that track, there was a few of us who wound up being some writers on it. I would I would have to give uh, credit to the overall feel of the track mm-hmm. and you know uh, the groove and, and and you know the chord progression and everything was would be John Propard, and then Beth and I wrote a lyric and uh, you know kind of kind of came up with a melody to facilitate the lyric over the top of that. Bernie uh, helped us with that. I think Bernie uh, helped us write the bridge on the song because there was no bridge, you know, to the original demo. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and so that's how we kind of all wound up. That was a kind of a group effort and it was done really sometimes in absence, in in absentia, you know, uh, we would, uh, Bernie and I got together one, you know, for a few hours, one day, uh, uh, Beth and I wrote a lot of the lyrics via email, you know, uh, kind of going back and forth. Uh, and, uh, Maybe got together once to, in person to actually work on the lyric and the melody, and uh, and like I say, John's work was was really the fundamental part of the song.
0: Right. Hey, Mike. You know, the, one of the most powerful songs, in my opinion, on the album is is the one that's kind of it's the most quiet and, and simple in terms of its composition, and that's the song "Honest Emotion." You know, like I said, it's it's simple, it's beautiful, but you know, very poignant and maybe your most personal message on the entire album. And one lyric is, "I'm a skater." on the lake of love, always gliding on the surface of deeper feelings, but never falling through. And, you know, this is a really great analogy about how, you know, so many of us drift our way through our lives and often forget or maybe not even realize what we're missing emotionally or or regarding, you know, in regards to our feelings. So, you know, I think as we age, this becomes more apparent to us and I get the feeling like this song has manifested itself over a long stretch of your life.
1: Um, very much so. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the the lyricist uh, that I work with on the song, John Goodwin, and uh, and Charlie Fortell also uh, uh, wrote the song with us. Um, <clears throat> that particular line I would attribute to John uh, Goodwin. You know, uh, he just has a way of saying things. But uh, it, the song, you know, started out with that uh, that whole idea in mind. You know, uh, I think uh, when I when I got together with John, I, I I had the chorus in my head. Honest emotion, so hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Uh, once to hurt you, you know and all that, and but uh, mm-hmm. and that's where where I, I was going. But I, I don't think I could have gotten there anywhere nearly as eloquently as John did, you know, with the verse lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, but it is it's a song, and, and for me, a very personal song about yeah. uh, kind of the malady of of uh, fear of your own emotions, you know, fear of, and I, I don't know how that happens to us, but I think it happens early on. And when we we're kids, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with whatever first big disappointments we we uh, we encounter, you know, certain things happen that make us f- fearful of ever really being completely in touch with how we feel after that. And we can go for a lot of years that way until it plays itself out and, and we realize that, it, that, that that's not working, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, somehow it's a painful trip sometimes back to getting to where you actually... Uh, give yourself license to uh, to feel, you know, uh, 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 and, and be in touch with those feelings.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, Mike and Eddie, we've got time for one more song, and uh, let's stop for a second and check it out. This is the track called "Find It in Your Heart" from the new album "Wide Open" on Inside MusicCast. Mike, uh, we thank you so much uh, for joining us here on Inside Music Cast today. And uh, it's been great to talk to you again and catch up and uh, learn more about your brand new album, Wide Open. And uh, let's stay in touch and hopefully we can do this again sometime down the road.
1: I hope so. I hope to see you guys when we get back to the Midwest there.
0: Yeah, we'll be uh, catching you uh, October 12th here just north of Indianapolis in Carmel. So we'll see you there. We'll see you there. Thank you so much.
1: Great, man. Look for you there.
0: All right, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.
0: Special thanks to Michael McDonald for joining us on this episode of Inside MusicCast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Brian Pearson, Kim Riley, Scott Gross, Mikhail Ingstrom, Loretta Sassaman, Scott Sheriff, Don Bryda, Yinka Oyelese, and Arnaud Legere for their support and content development. Inside MusicCast is powered by Earshot Audio Post and Cabello Associates. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside MusicCast.